Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Daisy is Insatiable. I'm Daisy Buchanan, the author of Insatiable, a love story for greedy girls. Insatiable is the story of Violet, a young woman who's struggling to find her place in the world and hungry for something she can't quite put her finger on. When she meets Lottie and Simon, a glamorous, wealthy, self-assured couple who have a business proposition for her and a few other propositions too. Violet lets herself get swept into their wild world, but will she be able to find what she's really looking for and find herself along the way? Insatiable is now available in paperback and the Waterstones exclusive edition features a bonus sexy scene and an extra essay from me about sex, inspiration and creative writing. On Daisy is Insatiable, I've been having intimate conversations with a range of guests about lust, life, appetite, identity, and everything that makes sex thrilling, fascinating, and bewildering. On this special episode, I'm delighted to share a chat with the one and only Vicky Patterson, the author of The Secret to Happy. Vicky is reality show royalty. She first appeared on our screens in Geordie Shore, and many of us got to know her when she was crowned Queen of the Jungle on I'm a Celeb. We talked about drunk sex having sex on screen, and how we can only have great sex and great lives if we work on our relationship with ourselves. I really hope you enjoy this. Congratulations on The Secret to Happy. I loved it. And it's just, it's so funny and it's so kind. Aww. And I really, really felt like I was being hugged. And it made me want to hug you. <laughs> yes, Daisy. Oh, well, it's so nice to know that um, the book had the exact reaction on you I wanted to have on it, on me readers. I want it to feel like a hug in pages, mate. Um, I'm not... I'm not your typical self-help guru and I'm certainly not trying to be. Um, if anything, I'd say the book is less self-help, more the bad girl's Bible. <laughs> and it's just, you know, meant to feel like if anybody is out there thinking, oh, I'm the only person who's ever kissed the wrong boy or 
like did the wrong thing at work or, or whatever like god you're just not alone that's the whole point of it <laughs> I mean I'm 36 and I know so much of it is about you know what we do in our 20s and I'm really struck as well by how often you know we get to kind of that point in our early 20s and we think we're grown-ups and we're like okay let's go you're off and there's so much to learn and so many mistakes to make and your journey is so interesting because you were in a position where so many of those mistakes were kind of recorded and public. I think what's very interesting as well, it was at a time when social media was around, but not around like it is now. Mm. And the sort of the broadcasting of our lives, it's only got like bigger and bigger. And something that, because I I was a Geordie Shaw fan, (laughs) I did, I really, really loved it. But I remember, you know, thinking as well, how kind of liberating it was and how I felt like it was the only show that was sort of so open about sex but because the other reality shows it was always like such a big part of the drama Mm -hmm. and in Geordie Shore it did just seem to kind of happen more and sometimes it came with drama (laughs) but I was also thinking as well how now I'm in my 30s Uh and I'm married I pretty much only ever have sex sober and that is partly because I'm at a point in my life where if I have two glasses of wine I just want to lie down and fall asleep (laughs) if you put me in a bed I'm done but for a lot of my 20s I would never dream of having sex sober and I think isn't it so interesting the way we're under so much pressure to like get out of our heads to do things in our bodies and the bizarre pressure we put on ourselves to be so sort of sexual and outgoing but also we need to kind of anesthetize ourselves I completely agree with your sentiments you know like um it's mad, isn't it? Like, you just feel so grown in your 20s. And now I, I'm so desperate to, to not be a grown-up and have all the responsibilities that come with it. You know, it's a real juxtaposition. But, yeah, I think um, j- there's a lot of elements of Geordie Shaw that were incredibly forward-thinking and um, s- super liberating. Um but there were also so many elements of it that were just completely archaic and also very toxic. I felt a huge amount of pressure to be a certain person, even if that's not really who I was. Um, and I lost a huge sense of myself while filming that show and a direction and, and became a caricature of, of me. Um, and a huge part of that was... Um, like my downfall essentially like the part that the the moment where I really started to have a conflict over who was this version on Joy Sean and who was me um was when I had sex on TV um because it wasn't something that I felt entirely comfortable doing I felt an awful lot of pressure to do it um and um it, it really affected my relationship with me mum so like that it's, it's really weird that you bring that up but that is like one of actually I try not to say regrets. I try to say lessons, but sometimes like you can't get away from it. That is unfortunately just one of my regrets. And I feel really bad for that like quite lost little girl who felt like that was what she had to do. Oh, love. I'm really, really sorry that that, that happened. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm in the right ballpark or region, but I can imagine if it were me in that position, there would be a little voice in my head going, is this okay? Is this normal and if I was working with people and for people who are in charge who were like yeah 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 totally normal all fine completely go up I'd be like well it doesn't quite sit well but all right then and you know because when you're like in your early 20s you're still forming and that pressure to be I think the word caricature is really interesting when you're still 
growing up and forming and finding your way in the world. I think psychologists are um, hypothetically talking about like, you know, being a teenager and adolescence and that this idea that when you're 18, that's like the end of your teenage years, that comes from like decades ago. And that made a lot of sense because of the way the world worked. And now it's much closer to say, well, you know, really like you're 25, you know, before your brain stops being that plastic and that changeable. Mm. Well, I think, I think that's, there's, you've like, there's something to that, definitely. Um, I remember, like, sort of being it was around 26 like I got I went into Georgia Shore at 22 and it was around 26 where I started to think I want something different from my life 25 26 and it was you know a nice boyfriend and a stable relationship and to wake up in a house that like didn't have leftover kebab and dirty face masks like face wipes everywhere um so I think you know that probably was a pivotal moment for me that that age um, and I know everybody's different and it's super subjective and stuff. But no, that was definitely defining, uh, a defining age. I love in the book how honest you are about your relationship with your body and how that has, is something that's sort of really fluctuated. And it sounds like you're in a really, really good place now. Um, I hope you are. But that you are so frank about, you know, what it is for all of us to be alive and around now. And we're constantly being shown these sort of manipulated images and different ways to be perfect and I often feel as though every time I I keep deleting Instagram from my phone because there are days when every time I pick it up it's like here's where you're getting it wrong here's where you're failing you should be this you could be this oh I think ugh, Instagram's such a bittersweet phenomenon isn't it and like we can't escape the juggernaut like I don't know anyone these days who isn't you know across social media in one sense I think it should be used to like share like share beautiful memories chronicle your life like push a business um keep in touch with your friends if they're far away like it should be used for all that sort of stuff to build beautiful communities and encourage open dialogues but unfortunately like I do know that more often than not sometimes it's used for um it's it's used to oh god like just completely perpetuate a unrealistic culture of beauty isn't it and more often than not you can go on to instagram in a perfectly good mood like having had a great start to your day and before you know it you've scrolled so aimlessly and seen and been bombarded with like unrealistic images of perfection smooth skin flat stomachs perfect families like all of that and before you know it you feel bad about yourself so I think um, it's a double-edged sword, Instagram. And um, the best advice I would give anybody, um, you know, who's struggling with their relationship with social media is, is it's something from the book. And it's don't let your ice cream melt while you're counting someone else's sprinkles. Um, <laughs> thank you. It basically, and it's for me, I, I just mean like, God, we've got so many blessings on our own doorstep, like whether we are funny, whether we are good friends, whether we are kind, whether we have gorgeous children, whether we have a great partner, a job we love, like we have things to be super grateful for. And when we're like coveting something else, some something that other people have in this like really creepy voyeuristic way, that probably doesn't even exist in the way it's being portrayed. You are wasting your own life. And like just unnecessarily like chucking away so much joy so yeah so 
I would just say, like, take other people's lives on Instagram, this carefully curated glimpse that they give you with a pinch of salt and focus on you, your own sprinkles, your own ice cream, your own grass, whatever you want to call it, and just be grateful for what you've got. Very well said. (laughs) And I do think as well, we sort of get the social media we deserve to a point like the joy of Instagram is you can follow so many really positive accounts and spaces and definitely you know because we're sort of talking I guess about you know bodies and sexuality in this podcast I have found it really boosting to see all kinds of people all different you know shapes and everything really getting away from that very like narrow idea of like what's sexy and seeing like gorgeous you know bigger girls who look stunning really you know sort of showing themselves and it makes me feel sexier and happier and more confident like there's room for all of us that it's such an individual and expressive thing and it's not kind of you fall into this category or you you're not included now I think um like I say I have a I have a con a very difficult relationship with Instagram like I'm sure I use yourself and many other people can relate to um on one hand, like I love that. I love that there are amazing women and fantastic influencers doing incredible things on social media, like um, encouraging representation and equality and visibility um, and just making such huge progress within that space. Um, But I also think it's too little too late I think we are we still have a long way to go Um, and I think everybody has to be the change they want to see on Instagram so we can't complain about everybody pretending that everything's perfect and filtering the images and editing and all the rest of it if we ourselves like fall into that trap more often than not and I'm not suggesting for one single second like we can't filter a picture or have a moment of of insecurity or anything like that what I'm saying is just like properly get behind the movement you know let's all make women feel good about themselves let's encourage honest narratives and let's just be kind be kind I think everything always comes down to that doesn't it and that's um sort of brings me to one of my favorite lines in your book which I have to um write down and it's sort of it's about um you know bodies and it's about the scales and why you know the scales probably don't have a place in our house really they don't really give us any useful information if you're going to let any tiny piece of battery operated technology control your mood it best be your vibrator (laughs) a little bit risky there daisy i knew you'd like that one um (laughs) i spent like the vast majority of my teens and 20s completely beholden to the scales um and my mood was intrinsically linked to whatever that little tiny piece of technology said to me in the morning and um, it was really toxic and really unhealthy and it led me to weaponize exercise have disordered eating and never feel content or good enough now like I live in a scaleless house and I know that's not for everybody I find it very liberating and I know when I'm I'm feeling good I know when I'm doing all the things I should you know to be healthy like my I get out of bed before my alarm clock goes off I um, am able to be the best version of myself I fall asleep easy at night my clothes feel great I'm confident you know like all these non-scale wins are so much more important than what like a tiny little scale says to you and so yeah so I'm I proper advocate for like not putting so much gravity on your weight and and just realizing you're worth so much more but I know that's a difficult place for people to reach and we kind of have to go through 
certain experiences in life to get to that point and it's really unfortunate that I can't that people can't we can't just learn from someone else's experiences but that's never really been the way has it so yeah it's a it's a shame if I could if I could let people learn from me that would be great but I think they have to do it themselves on that one and get to it on their own I think that for a lot of women and I feel like this it took me probably good three decades for me to realize my body is for me (laughs) first and I just spent my life trying to make it different and better for other people and you know for sort of like in relationships and worrying about the way it looked and thinking about sort of all I had to offer and then like the magic of realizing just how much my body can do and obviously it's not as though I've like fully flicked the switch permanently like yes my body is strong and but when I move it I feel great in it and grateful for it. And quite often, even if it's just, you know, feeling a bit sad and a bit slow and then going for a walk. And I think um, to keep sort of banging the the sexy drum, <laughs> sorry, it's, um, but, you know, I never really felt sexy when I was like acting sexy and trying to look sexy. And then when I really, really feel it, you know, in my cells and in my soul, it can be when I'm doing something really, really <laughs> stupid and I just feel alive. And oh my goodness, when you talk about, you know, your disordered eating and it's such a generous thing to share in your book. And I, you know, it's painfully relatable because I have lived that way when all you can think about is the way you are restricting yourself and your rules and that you're, you know, you are allowed to feel good about yourself, but only if you follow these impossible rules. And that line, when you talk about being a a certain dress size and you're like, well, yeah, I can go into any shop in the world and I can wear like the smallest size of everything and look good in everything, but I'm having a shit time when I go out. So what's the point? That's it, isn't it? And like, I truly believed for so long and I think society and everything like encouraged me, magazines, press, TV, everything to believe that if I was the thinnest I could possibly be, I would be happy. I'd be desirable and successful and attractive and all these things. And, you know, when I got to like this size six, I was absolutely fucking furious that I, I everything didn't just fall into place and I wasn't like this just really happy person like I was racked with anxiety still and self-doubt and crippling insecurity um and it made you know I had no life I I lived in the gym I was terrified to eat out I drank once in a while like it was just really debilitating and limiting um, because my body doesn't want to be that size. And I know there's some people out there who are naturally very petite and look and feel great there. But for me, it just wasn't what my body wanted to be. So no, um, through years of like punishing myself and being probably slightly bigger than it is, I, I feel healthy and strong at, and also being a lot smaller than my body probably wants to be, I realized happiness had to lie in the middle, you know, with balance with yes, going out and doing lovely long dog walks and the occasional gym session here and there and who doesn't love a green tea and a green juice every so often and all the rest of it, but also like a life without cheese, a life without wine, like what is that? So 
Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> endeavor to hit that sweet spot right in the middle now and, and go for balance. I love the way you do talk about those extremes, which, you know, I relate to and I totally understand the kind of like regime of only having, you know, chicken and lettuce and really, really limited calories and you feel dreadful. But equally, no one feels great if they're out seven nights a week drinking everything they can get their hands on and then always having a kebab for dinner you know when I do that I don't get up and goes off right yeah I mean it, it, you are like there's that saying that you are what you eat aren't you and like it's true to a certain extent like our body needs things to regenerate it needs things to function it needs things to be firing on all cylinders and a kebab's great once in a while and who doesn't love a cheeky nugget but like if you were to live on those things constantly, like you wouldn't be healthy and happy. Um, and the same goes for the opposite side of that spectrum. If you're just constantly eating broccoli and dry lettuce, like you are going to be one very sad, boring bunny. I love how honest you are about being in the jungle and afterwards the way that what it was like to be so exposed and to have so many people like change their minds about you and really, really feel it. But I'd love to know more about what you learned about yourself when you were there because I'm guessing that must have really changed your relationship with your body because it was all about how you could survive in a place where you're not thinking about looking or appearing you're just doing um I think like my body was probably the furthest thing from my mind when I was in there and I know that's crazy because like you're going out to like millions of viewers and there's all the pressure on them like shower scenes and stuff like that but like you were just I was just so determined to do well and put forward this like best version of me that like how I looked was very far down on like my priorities yeah I I don't know maybe I think actually that was like the first time in my career where I came out of when I came out of there and I felt like I had more to offer than just a body when we were in Geordie Shaw um I don't feel like we were viewed with any sort of like respect or, or given any sort of credit for like what funny lines or like what honesty it was all just how do they look and well, like, what? Are, who are they kissing this week, you know? But when I came out of the jungle, it felt like I had gained some respect from people and was more than just a, a shape or a size or a body. So, yeah, it was probably the most liberated I've ever felt, really, uh, in terms of my body image. I wasn't as hung up on it as I have been in previous years. Sounds like an experience that would leave you feeling mm. strong. Oh, 110%, mate. Like, actually strong on, like, every level. Um, Like, I was in pretty good shape in terms of like physical fitness when I went in I mean I think you do have to be relatively physically robust in order to do well especially in the Australian version there's a lot of like hiking walking tough physical trials involved um so I know I was in like great condition to give that show me best shot um but it, it is just really empowering to like face your fears every day and know that you're doing this like like huge show that is like a British institution like that's such a a a huge like empowering feeling too so no the overall experience for me was probably like one of the best professional things that's ever happened to me and I don't know if it'll ever be topped ever be topped I loved it oh wow it's like having a superpower now do you know I'm so it's so weird I definitely didn't act like I was afraid of anything in there like snakes spiders cockroaches everything like they threw at me I just got on with it but if I see a spider scuttle across my living room floor I'm still like freaked out I don't know if it's because it's in my space 
I like I feel like this is a safe space but yeah in, in there I was fine with everything but yeah now I'm still just like a fanny <laughs> another detail I love in the book is the way you talk about the sort of the public preoccupation with your relationships and think that you know everyone loves a romance everyone wants to believe that sort of that's happening I also think it's really interesting that you can have you know a woman like you who's you know successful and gorgeous and doing all of these cool things and yet the sort of the public interest is still like well you know who's she going out with and are they going to get married are they going to split up what's going to happen I'd love to know if you feel like you're you come to romantic relationships and approach them differently than how you did sort of five or ten years ago I think coming from the background I did which is like reality tv obviously um I'm well aware of like the nature of the beast like everybody is interested in your personal life you know and you kind of do a bit of a deal with the devil for everything you've got and the price you pay is your privacy um so there have been times when I found it really frustrating people's obsession with me love life but ultimately like I've got to take it as a compliment like they're clearly invested in me and I wouldn't be where I was now if people weren't so I am I, I kind of have to take that on the chin. Um, but I've always been like a real hopeless romantic. I'm in love with the idea of love. I'm in love with the idea of being loved. And that has led me into some pretty sticky situations. Like I've definitely fallen for the wrong fellas, gone far too fast, far too quickly. And because I just really want to have all those things, you know, marriage, kids, and all the rest of it. So, there, it has made us come a cropper once or twice um but I think definitely as I've got a bit older my attitudes towards love have changed but I think that's because of how, how I see myself has changed like we all accept the love we think we deserve don't we and um I didn't have a very high opinion of myself I had really low self-worth for years and it allowed me to stay in jobs that weren't right for me have friends that didn't have my best interests at heart and ultimately be in really unhealthy toxic relationships um but now I have a real respect for myself and I have self-love so subsequently like I'm not willing to be disrespected or put up with things that I don't deserve or wouldn't do to other people um and that has been the game changer that's been the pivotal moment in my life was um learning to love myself uh, so it's led me to have a really healthy and happy relationship with my partner that I have now. Another- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The thing I found really like painful and moving and honest in the book is the way you talked about your evolution of your relationship with your mum and how that's so strong now, but how it's been quite hard. And I wonder whether that it wasn't that she was upset per se about like getting drunk and having sex, which is not ideal, but but it was because she knew where it was coming from, that you weren't doing it because you were having a lovely time, but it was because you were a bit lost. I think there's an amalgamation of things that drove a wedge between me and me mum. Um, I can't imagine it's easy for a mother to watch the daughter that she's raised turn into something she doesn't recognise. Um, that in itself must be very painful. Um, you know, she thought I was like bright and considerate and kind. And then she's seen this like a, a complete monster on like at times on the TV. So I think that would have been a difficult pill to swallow. Um, having sex on TV completely nearly destroyed our relationship. That was um, a, a very big stumbling block for us. But I, I kind of think, yeah, like she always said to me whenever I would say like I fucking hate this show I am it's not who I am like I need I need to leave I want to do something else should say we'll leave do something else like this you, you there's so much more you can do and I'd be like you've got no clue you don't understand like everyone's telling me there's nothing else for me my agents MTV they're telling me to stay here like you don't know and I think for her to watch me have no belief in myself and no self-worth and not take her advice that as well must have been hard so there is loads of stuff that led to the near demise of our relationship and made it incredibly strained for a long time but um we got through it we're stronger than ever she's literally my best friend now um and I do think leaving the show like that you know made me initially famous or whatever was necessary for me and her to have any sort of relationship it's really powerful and I think it's really comforting and inspiring to know that all of our relationships can change that we do have those big fluctuations and that's part of adulthood and that we can have long periods where it's difficult for us to be in each other's lives but we do come back and we do come back stronger I was thinking as well about I think lots of women you know we grow up and we're teenagers and even when we're young girls we're always told like not to trust ourselves not to trust our instincts and like what you were saying about being with people who weren't right for you and maybe weren't kind to you but you were like well I the world is telling me I need a relationship and I, this is my happy ending so I'll just ignore it I'll it's like you know tuning a sort of an old-fashioned staticky radio and you're like no I don't want this like this clear station with all the warnings I'm just listening <laughs> to the fuzz well, I think especially when we're in our 20s we will listen to anyone but mm. ourselves it's almost like when you talked about some of your experiences of you know the first part of your life in the public eye and 
I think we've all maybe be jobs or relationships or even certain groups of friends where it's like being in a cult <laughs> and you're like fine you decide everything for me <laughs> when you're in your 20s like you just want to be like everybody else like now it's crazy because we're all so proud of our uniqueness you know but back then like I just wanted to be like have a body like everybody else and be liked by everybody and you know just feel like I belonged um so I think you're very easily influenced um we're often so obsessed with the idea of like just fitting in and being in love and being cared about and all the rest of it that we can know our instincts our gut our warning signs the people who probably really care about we you know as well so I don't think I'm um I don't think either of us are like um it's alien in that in those feelings I reckon a lot of women probably experience them and that's really why I wanted to write Insatiable, which is, you know, a novel and it's a made up story. And I've never been in that world of, you know, glamorous swingers, sadly. There's still um, time yet, Pet. <laughs> but Violet, the heroine, is feeling so lost. And it is really exciting. You know, these people seem so sophisticated and so sure of themselves. But for her, part of the allure is like they're a group and they know and they seem to have all the answers. And she's just like, fine, I'll be in your, be in your cult, be in your sexy party universe. I'll just do that. Um, I mean, I think loads of we're just, we just want to feel like we fit in, right? And it doesn't really matter. <laughs> what it is that you want to fit into but you just want to feel like you're not on your own do you know Brene Brown said something like fitting in is the opposite of belonging and I love that it's the idea that when we belonging is something real and secure and firm and fitting in we're just trying to kind of squeeze ourselves into a gap and be like just ignore me and let me be part of <laughs> no but I think when you fit in there's definitely um prerequisite that you have to change you have to hide elements of yourself you have to fit a mold whereas when you belong that is allowing yourself to truly just be who you are so they're both very different now in my 30s like I don't want to fit in like I want to be who I am and I don't want to fit into a popular crowd or a certain circuit or a celebrity like pigeonhole I just want to feel like I'm sitting on my sofa with my partner and my dog and I'm watching the things we like and I just want to belong so yeah I mean she's not daft is she that Renee Brown she knows what she's talking about but that makes real sense to me and I think what I love so much about my 30s is as soon as I stopped trying to fit in as soon as I thought look this this is it pretty much I'm never going to be cool I'm never going to every time I think I'm sort of doing something exciting and I feel a bit on edge it's just it's never going to work out I'm this is it this is as as good as it gets let's embrace that and see what happens and all the good people have come it's been brilliant yeah I think your 30s like even though we fear them for some reason we're led to believe like you know our life's over by the time we're out we're 20s and we have to have it all figured out and husband and kids and the job we want for the rest of our lives and stuff like actually it couldn't be further from the truth like your 30s are filled with such acceptance and liberating feelings of self-love that like I truly believe I wasn't really living until I I hit 30 um certainly not living in a way that was kind to myself um and I'm far happier and more content now and I think like having spoke to me mom um and various other women like it just gets better and better so yeah fingers crossed we've got 
by the time I'm like 60, I'm just not going to give a fuck what anyone thinks, am I? Wow. I mean, I was going to say like, well, of course going to be brilliant. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's true that sort of that aging is, is a privilege. And I'm really glad that I've learned how to kind of look after my body a bit better. And, you know, hopefully I'll be in, in good nick and able to move around and enjoy it. Because I think it's really interesting the way you talk about alcohol, which is so complicated for all of us. And I think that it's we're supposed to kind of like just gracefully and easily make the transition between going out on the lash and being you know drinking till you fall down all the time and then suddenly you wake up one day and everyone's like oh no you just you have a glass of wine with dinner and you're done we're so weird about if people aren't drinking we're like well why why aren't you drinking I feel bad so I'm gonna make you feel bad for making me feel awkward and it's something that I thought about a lot before the pandemic and I made the decision that I was only going to drink to celebrate I really wish it took me so long and I made so many mistakes and kind of figuring out my relationship with alcohol and I'm so glad that you wrote about it so eloquently because I'm like this is a drug and we're all just told to be like addicted to it from like well wait long before we turn 18 to be honest and then everyone's like you're on your own (laughs) it's weird isn't it like I'm sure I mentioned in the book like if you were sitting like mainlining heroin and or or, like sniffing coke whatever at a party like it's people would think what the hell is wrong with this person like is she okay does she need help whatever but if you're sitting not drinking at a party like you get that same reaction like is she okay god like it's crazy and um I'm by no means teetotal um so I'm not like judging people who drink and enjoy themselves but I just think our attitude towards it is is quite scary um I think we need to give alcohol a more healthy respect um and also appreciate other people's boundaries with it and if they're living a life without alcohol we should be really supportive um my relationship with it has been incredibly difficult over the years and again I finally got myself to a place where I think I'm I think I'm in control and enjoy it in moderation. Um, But I have an addictive personality, you know. If I'm going to go to the gym, it's not just going to be like, oh, you know, 20 minutes on a cross trainer and then she has a smoothie. I'm going to smash it and I'm going to go every day and I'm going to count how many blueberries I have on my porridge. If I'm going to go out, similarly, you best believe I'm going to be the last one standing. So it's very difficult for me to have learned moderation given like the way my brain is wired um and it's a constant struggle and something that I think is probably going to be an ongoing battle for me throughout my life but it's a very small one in the big scheme of things and I'm proud of the way I'm handling it at the moment still an addictive person like I don't know I've heard accounts from people who've really struggled with um addiction and it does sound as though a lot of the time one addiction is replaced for another um and I don't know if you ever cure it or you just find something healthier to be obsessed with I think what's interesting about alcohol and drugs is they're they're the numbing things aren't they and even you know food or controlling ourselves around food anything that's going to really take us out of our bodies and feel less and sort of shut down we have our addictions and I think every single one of us has an addiction to one extent is because we don't want to feel a feeling 
if I feel something awkward or uncomfortable or I think something I don't really want to think, the effort of being like, okay, let's let's drill down. There is, I'm itching, even if it's just to check yeah. my emails, that it's, again, it's not, it's not a drug. It's not hurting anyone. It's not, it's a, a very sort of modern distraction, but it's still, I know it's not something good that's motivating this. Um, and I suppose the battle is just like recognizing it and sort of saying, okay, I've got to be, uncomfortable sometimes I've got to be able to just sit that's what it is and it's definitely for a lot of people what it's born from like I'm doing this thing at the moment where I'm trying to wake up and have a power hour so an hour where I'm without my phone and it's like really it sounds really simple for loads of people because I'm sure they've got like full lives with like children and all the rest of it but for me I roll over turn my alarm off and sit and stare at Instagram check my emails check me whatsapps like before I know it I'm in work mode and I'm opening my life up to negative influences outside influences like toxic situations and stress it's such a a negative way to start your day you know you like the idea of power hour is you take that first hour for yourself and set boundaries so you read a chapter of a book you love you do yoga you take your dog for a walk you have a hot shower whatever it is that brings you peace we have to become comfortable with being on our own. We have to become comfortable with uncomfortability in order to grow and evolve and be better. And that's really difficult. And that's an ongoing process. Um, but that's, we all are progress, not perfection. So don't beat yourself up if you fall at a couple of hurdles, just get back on the horse. Progress, not perfection. I love that. I mean, that really made me think about something a lot of the bad decisions I made in my 20s, it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be in a very serious romantic relationship. But when I was single and out, yeah, the just, you know, with student debt and the way that sort of normalized, well, like, yeah, you're a student, of course, you know, you're out doing that sort of thing. But I was so like, someone in this club must want me. And if they, no one is going to validate me by wanting to sleep with me, I have failed. And it wasn't even the sex itself that I was pursuing. It was just needing to be chosen. Validation. Needing to be wanted. Yeah. And feeling so unhappy. And so my self-esteem was so low and I was so unaccepting of myself that, yeah, I was just sort of like waiting for, you know, anyone at all to kind of, you know, say, yes, I, I want you, I approve of you. And it... I didn't want to be on my own. I didn't want to be thinking my thoughts and really being me. I wanted to be performing for someone and I wanted to like appear sexy, whether or not I actually felt it, which more often than not, I didn't. I think when we're searching for validation and we're like still working out who we are and stuff, like things like Instagram likes and sexual encounters, attention from men, it's all very similar, isn't it? And it's, as we get older, we realize it's like quite vapid it's probably probably not exactly what you need um but like I don't think we should beat ourselves up over it god like I forget how many boys I've kissed that I probably shouldn't have but like we all we all do that we've all fallen into the trap like as we get older we realize like what we deserve and what we actually need and I think what you are craving and what we all crave as human beings is like intimacy and to be loved, like, mm. I can't imagine anything worse than just having sex with someone I don't love, you know? But, like, sitting and holding hands with me partner and watching TV, like, gives me butterflies. We're programmed to want to be loved. 
And I think we just kind of get a little bit lost on the way to working out what that is. But we all get there in the end. So true. And I think intimacy is so rare and precious. And I think we panic. You know, I think we're desperate to kind of fast track it. (laughs) I've had really horrible breakups and been dumped. I've had this fantasy, you know, in football and when if the manager quits... And while they get a new proper manager, there's like a caretaker manager. And the number of times I've been like, there should be a caretaker manager, but for boyfriends, I just want someone to come in. (laughs) And again, that was me not wanting to feel my feelings, not wanting to be alone. And it's like, no, the whole point of like growing and healing is sitting in that and grieving for what you've lost and being sad. And yeah, you have to like, unfortunately, and I, I say this from like experience um if you are going to have been privileged enough to have felt love then you're going to have to sometimes accept the the downside of that the other side of the coin which is heartbreak and it's the same as that saying like grief is the price we pay for losing someone we truly loved and that's obviously in in more relation to to like people leaving dying whatever but it can quite as easily be a breakup like I felt very real grief off the back of some of my relationships and like once you're out of the real dark of that the real woods you can see it for what it is you know your body grieving your body getting over and and adjusting to a new life and it's so important for like our growth for our development also just like even for us to work out what we do and don't want we have to have our hearts broken a couple times we they can't all work out you know so no mate like that's normal isn't it just all like you you don't want to feel sad or down and if someone provides you a slight moment of reprieve from those feelings it's you're just going to jump at it. But we do have to be alone to feel our feels sometimes. For sure, feeling our feels is the key. But you're so right. We're, we're, we're all in it together. We are human and we make all the mistakes. It's those mistakes that make us all belong that's a lovely way to look at it isn't it like the one thing we do all have in common is that none of us are perfect um and we're all just like growing and like progressing and evolving i don't think anybody should strive for perfect i think we should strive for happy and i like as i say in my book like happiness is subjective it looks different on absolutely everybody so one person's idea of happy might not be yours but like there's no need for judgment just live and let live um but in order to get there in order to be this like really content happy version of you i do believe we have to have certain mistakes certain heartbreaks certain shade because you know the people who've cruised through life like almost on autopilot without any real hardships or struggles i don't know many of them but the ones i do know don't tend to be that interesting or determined or brave or brilliant so i kind of feel like yeah just some of those little hurdles some of those little grazed knees and bad chapters own them because they're going to make you such a such a brilliant strong and just resilient person resilience is absolutely it and that's the thing you know me saying like surely after going in the jungle you feel like there's nothing you can't do I think we have that emotionally as well and that's the the joy of a tricky 20s is and I don't know if you feel this way I sort of I get that sense from your book but it's not now you're like fixed perfect (laughs) done I've now got everything I want and it's all going to be fine but it's like well things will go I will we'll have amazing days and we will have really dark, difficult days. And we're 
able for joy and pain. And when things get really, really hard, we won't crumble, even if we feel like we are, because we're like, oh no, I've I've got like emotional core strength now. I've been doing like the weight training. Resilience is key, isn't it? And like, it's very difficult to build that. Like, I don't think you just wake up one day and be like really stoic and strong and durable. Um, you have to go through hardships sometimes. And like I always say, and again, this is something that's in the book, but like rock bottom will teach you things that mountaintops never will. And like, I look back at the times in my life where I literally thought, this is it, you've done it. Like, you can't come back from this. And I learned in those periods, like what I was made of, who I could really trust, who was there for me. Mm. I learned like what I could withstand, my my metal, I suppose. Um, and you know, when you're flying high, it's dead easy to be nice to everybody. It's dead easy to be kind and all the rest of it. Cause like you're in a fucking great place. So I don't often learn a lot when things are going great, but when things are tough, that's when you, that's when you separate like the wheat from the chaff. And I don't know, resilience is learnt. You can't see, you can't like, you can't buy it. You can't fake it. Um, but it's worth it when you get it. Definitely. Well, I was thinking about what we were talking about at the beginning with, you know, social media and its dark and light sides. And just, I think media in general, when we're feeling angry and unhappy and insecure, it's so easy to sell us stuff. Lots of the things on, you know, people who are doing really, really great things on Instagram are just, you know, as you are, like generously, you know, putting out brilliant content and being really inspiring and boosting and then you'll get some sort of you know sketchy thing from goodness knows where being like are you ashamed of your teeth you should be ashamed of your teeth for a hundred dollars I can fix your teeth and you're like and you know on a good strong day you're like nonsense I'm going to report that ad for spam and if you are feeling a bit weak and like, okay here's my paper oh Instagram is um like I say it's a conflict isn't it and I I, I suppose we just have to hope like we are self-aware enough to, to realize that there is so much fakeness and filters and editing and all the rest of it on there. Like I often, even me who is you like dabbled in all these sort of things has had like campaign images, like a photo edited by some of the best fellas in the biz, you know, like all this sort of stuff is aware of what goes on in my industry. I still look at some lasses and be like, God, isn't she perfect? I wish I had a skin. I'm 34 and I've been there and done it and I know how it all happens and I still fall into it sometimes. So it's dead easy done, but you just have to remind yourself constantly, like Instagram is not what it seems. And even if it is, that person's success, that person's perfect skin, that person's like amazing family, it holds no relevance to the things you're capable of, the things you're going to achieve and the way you look. So yeah, just don't, don't compare yourself. It's dead easy to be strong and sassy and resilient when you've had a good night's sleep and you've had a you've seen your mum recently mm. and you're in that sweet spot of your cycle, you know? Like it's so easy to just be really yes. measured and be like, This is who I am and that's who they are and everything's good. But when you are tired, when you do miss your mum, when you are on your period, like it's so easy to just get sucked in and think like for fuck's sake why am I the only person who's getting any older like everyone else is Benjamin buttoning and here I am with like a head (laughs) full of wrinkles so no it's like so human and like I even still like have these real moments of like insecurity and self-doubt where I'm like maybe like you say like maybe I should just get like a little bit of something and 
if it was if it was discreet, no one would know. And then I just think, what the hell? Like, I want to look in the mirror every day and see my face. Mm. I want to be reminded of the holidays I've had, the people I've met, the experiences, the laughter, everything. And if you fiddle on too much, like you just remove all sense of self and develop this kind of uniformity with everyone else. So no, I'm, I understand it totally and definitely have felt the pressure as once or twice, but I'm currently remaining quite strong on that front and I'm very, very pleased. So should you as well, you're lush. And I'm delighted to hear it. Ah, oh, right back at you. Bless your heart. <laughs> I think self-love's the hardest form of love. Like, it's dead easy to fall in love with other people I think especially at first when they're showing you like all the best qualities all at once and it's exciting and shiny and new but like you don't know all the things like you don't know the things they did when they were 20 and you don't know the way they spoke to the man when they were 16 and you don't know the deepest darkest thoughts you know your own and it's very hard especially with our inner critic raging inside of us to ignore all those things and and, and love ourselves, you know? So much easier to love other people because we just don't know enough about them, but we know ourselves warts and all. Yeah. So yeah, dead difficult, um, but it's so worth it when you do actually um, start that journey. Because um, like you say, you can be comfortable in your own company. You can like accept the love you think that they deserve. And you don't need to have healthy relationships, happy relationships, you thrive at work. It's, it's where everything in terms of success and happiness comes from, self-love. I think that is the perfect place to end it. I could talk to you all day, but I know you're the busiest person in the universe. Uh, Vicky, thank you so much. It's been such a joy and My pleasure. pleasure. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for listening to Daisy is Insatiable. The podcast is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by Acast with special thanks to Sphere. My novel, Insatiable, a love story for greedy girls is published by Sphere and out now. It's available in paperback from all online and offline bookshops, as well as Amazon, where you can find the ebook and the audiobook read by Charlie Clive. Also, I'd love to tell you about Careering, my brand new novel coming on the 10th of March. It's the story of eternal intern Imogen, who's finally worked her way into her dream job, and her boss Harry, whose professional life has started to feel like a nightmare. Together, these two women are about to realise their jobs will never love them back, so they stage a rebellion the only way they know how. But what will the view look like from the other side? Marion Keyes said, I loved, loved, loved careering. I was so happy when I was reading it, and I missed it when I was away from it. Louise O'Neill says, I read careering in one greedy gulp, not by choice, but because it is utterly unputdownable. Careering is available to pre-order as an exclusive signed edition from Waterstones. And listen out for a brand new podcast series, Daisy is Careering. We've got some incredible guests talking about their relationship with their careers and how they have found a place in a world where their passion for their work has to be reconciled with the relentless pressure to succeed. I've loved making Daisy is Insatiable. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. I really hope you enjoy the book and that my story makes you laugh, that it moves you and that it makes you feel a little giddy. Finally, I leave you with this from Isabel Allende. The best aphrodisiacs are words. G-spot is in the ears. Goodbye.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.